Podcast Answer Man, episode number 317. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, everyone. Dan Miller here from 48 Days Online Radio. Cliff Ravenscraft has been my podcast answer man ever since he was bold enough to ask me if I wanted to make my podcast a 10 rather than a 6. And from what I'm now hearing all around the world, not only is he my podcast answer man, he is the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is The Podcast About Podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode. Hey, there's a Podcasting A to Z course that can help you with that. Anyway, there's something we can all do to take our show, our podcast, and everything we do in life. To the next level. And my friends, I am getting ready to take things to the next level here by firing up a brand new podcast with my wife. Later this evening on Thursday, July 18th, uh, my wife and I will sit down and record the very first episode of the Veronica Mars Fan Podcast. Now, I don't know when that will be released. I think we're going to try to get a episode or two recorded uh, prior to our official launch. But uh, once it does get launched, uh, I will make an announcement out there in the social media spaces. So if you're not following me on Twitter or uh, Facebook, uh, you might want to do that. You can find the links over at podcastanswerman.com. But uh, really excited. My wife and I have not done a fan podca- a TV show fan podcast in quite some time. And uh, looking forward to getting back at that with her. Now, real quickly, I want to give you a rundown of what we're going to cover today in this episode. Um, We are going to talk about Google Reader, what to do now. Is RSS feeds, you know, is it the end of RSS feeds? Are we done with this stuff? Are we going to just rely on Twitter and Facebook and our friends to kind of take the most relevant information and bring it to us? Or should we find something to replace Google Reader? What have you done? We're going to talk a little bit about that in our social media segment with my great friend and social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher. Uh, Looking forward to that conversation. Also, Dennis has a question about uh, whether or not he can read entire chapters from Stephen King books chapter by chapter in his podcast. And Eric from Tennessee wants to know, how on earth am I getting my audio clips into my recording? We're going to talk about all of that and who knows what else more in this episode. Uh, first, though, I want to give you a personal plug of the week. Today, I'm also going to be plugging something that is not a podcast, but that's okay. It's cool. It's my personal plug of the week this week is a website or an online magazine, if you were to ask Michael Stelsner, but it is called MyKidsAdventures.com. Oh, my goodness. MyKidsAdventures.com. I've been watching Michael work on this for some time now. Uh, Some of you, if you're wondering who I'm talking about, Michael Stelzner, uh, he's the guy behind SocialMediaExaminer.com, one of the most well-respected sources on the web when it comes to social media uh, news and, and updates and reports and stuff like that. But anyway, MyKidsAdventures.com is a new project 
that uh, has recently launched, just last week actually, and it is a website that is designed for busy parents like me, and maybe like you, depending on who who's listening there, but uh, especially for me. And the whole idea is, you know, Mike was sitting one day, he went to Disney, I think he went to Disneyland with the kids or Disney World, but anyway, he went to Disney with the kids and he was looking back at some photos and he's like, man, has it really been this long since I brought my kids to this place? And, you know, the whole idea of our kids are growing up so fast and time is flying and we get stuck working around the clock and... And sometimes we lose sight of of just how important it is to have adventures with our family. And uh, I you, you have to go check it out. Just go to mykidsadventures.com and uh, just, just go through and look at the site. And what it does is it gives you different ideas on how you can bring a little adventure into your family life. And it doesn't always have to be, well, go, let's go on a family vacation and, and you know, backpack through the Grand Canyon or something like that, although I'm sure there'll be some fun things like that. But uh, here is, uh, just to give you an example of some of the articles that are already there, uh, we have Getting Dirty, Five Fun Composting Projects for Kids. I looked at that one. That one's really not up my alley. How to Make an Adventure Movie with Your Kids. And so there's an article from uh, Ron, I think it's Vital. Anyway, he gives you steps on what you can do to actually have a fun movie with your kids. He gives you uh, things like, you know, you need a prop, you need some props, you need a script, you need to choose a filming location, and he gives you some ideas of how you can actually make a fun movie with your family, and that's something that I think I might actually do. Uh, How to create a backyard treasure hunt, Minecraft style. I I looked over this article one. Uh, and it seems to be, you know, more of like just a little, um, well, it's a treasure hunt. And, and it's uh, supposedly Minecraft style. Anyway, you can check out that article. Uh, one that looked a little bit interesting was how to create a glow-in-the-dark bowling in, how to create glow-in-the-dark bowling in your home. And the idea is to take 20-ounce uh, bottles uh, of, of soda, I guess, those little plastic bottles, and uh, you take the labels off, drop in some glow sticks, and uh, take a basketball and, and set up some bowling. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, further information on the blog post. And then I love this one here, how to have an indoor camping experience. Something just to have some fun with the family. Do something, you know, camp with a big tent uh, made out of blankets or something like that in your living room. Just something to have adventure, something to add a little spice into the family life. That's what you're going to get with My Kids Adventures, and I am so excited about this new project, and I hope that some of you out there who maybe are like me, and, and you come up, you, you come away from work, and you're like, what am I going to do this weekend, and you know, sometimes you just want to unplug and stuff, but, but you would actually do some fun and exciting things with your family if you just had some creative energy to put into it. I know that I've been guilty of putting most of my creative energy into my business and my products and services and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, I'm looking for fresh inspiration on what I can do as a dad. How does that apply to you as a, in Podcast Answer Man? Well, I believe it applies because I, I know that a lot of you out there are entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, small business owners, or you work the day job and you're working around the clock. And um, if you're a busy parent, 
looking for creative ideas. My personal plug of the week, mykidsadventures.com. All right. Starting off today is Dennis, who has a question about uh, doing a, a podcast about books. Hey, Cliff. This is Dennis Bowles from Northern Kentucky, and I am calling in for the podcast Answer Man. My question is that um, I am considering um, starting a podcast around the books of the Dark Tower series written by Stephen King. And part of the podcast will be centered around the books themselves. Now, I've done some research about this issue, but I've come up a little short in getting some answers. And where, does people, where do people turn when they need answers on the subject of podcasting? Well, that's you, of course. So my question is, if I want to create a podcast around a book series, and I'm looking to implement readings of some of the books on the podcast, are there any copyright issues that I should be aware of concerning reading a book on a podcast? basically recording one chapter at a time and releasing them in order from start to finish along with commentary and side thoughts and things of that nature. But it will be read verbatim from the books. I appreciate uh, any kind of feedback and thank you for everything that you do. All right, Dennis. Yes, I have some thoughts on this one. And I will tell you, I believe that if you were to read word for word verbatim, uh, you know, chapter by chapter, even if you were to release them in separate um, episodes, and even if you were to provide commentary, if you read the entire book in audio form in your podcast, you are absolutely almost 100% certain uh, to receive a letter from a lawyer. Uh, I don't think there's really any question whether or not that would happen. I'm almost, ab- I, I would say that the the chances of you getting a letter from an attorney is about 99.99999%. Uh, so you definitely want to avoid that. And by the way, uh, where do people go when they have questions about copyright and trademarks and stuff like that when it comes to podcasting? Um, you know, you can ask the podcast answer man here, but I am not going to have all your answers when it comes to those things. I'm not an attorney. I've done, I don't play one on television. Uh, and so I don't give out legal advice, but I can tell you right now, there's, there's, there's little doubt in my, in my mind that I have the answer to this one. And that is if you were to read it word for word, uh, an entire chapter, or even, uh, specifically if you were to cover every chapter, you're 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 going to be in a world of hurt um, when it comes to legal issues. Now, can you read certain you know excerpts and then provide commentary? I've done that hundreds of times. Now, what are the legal ramifications for that? I have no idea. I did not seek the advice of my own attorneys uh, on that. But um, we, Stephanie and I, did the Twilight Saga podcast over at twilightsagapodcast.com, and. Uh, when we were covering each and every book, what we would do is we would read the chapters of the book, and after each, after we read each chapter, we would come and give commentary. We would talk about what we had read, and occasionally we might read one or two lines uh, from certain sections within the chapter. So when it came down to it, out of an entire chapter, we may have read maybe 1% total not all together, but 1%, maybe even 2% total of the chapter in little bits and little excerpts as we would uh, say, you know, I love when Bella said this, and then we might quote two or three sentences, and then we would have commentary on that. Um, I believe that uh, that might fall under this thing called fair use, but again, the, the 
truth is is that I am not an attorney and I cannot give you legal advice. I, I can tell you that I have done that. I have read excerpts, uh, making sure that it's not too much and providing tons of commentary around it and I've never ran into a problem but that's not to say that you won't either. Um, in reality, if you're going to read anything more than one or two sentences, I would say you'd probably need permission from the author or publisher. And chances are you may not get it. Um, I have done something in in my own personal uh, approach to these things that that I don't recommend that you do. And it, and uh, that that is that sometimes I'll, I'll go and take a little bit of risk with what I share. But I always make sure that I'm doing this in such a way that I'm really not cutting into the profitability or anything like that of anything related to those things. And if you were to create, an, in essence, an audio version of that book where I could actually listen to your podcast and I could actually in you know pretty much ingest a majority of the book, if not all of it, by listening to all of your episodes related to it, I could actually do that without the need to ever purchase the book myself or to even purchase the audio book, which, which your podcast, in essence, would be a direct competition with, um, you would be pulling away potential profits from, from them. So, yeah, I, I think you would run into a big issue. So I think that you could probably pull off a, a podcast devoted to the book. Uh, I think you could cover it chapter by chapter. You could probably pull off, you know, reading a couple chap or a couple sentence, you know, a couple lines from, you know, maybe pulling two or three lines or four or five lines out of the out of the chapter and giving commentary on it, but certainly not reading entire chapters, uh, and and certainly not reading large passages of chapters. Uh, I would I would never re- I would never read more than one paragraph out of out of a book. Um, and if you ever went to a second paragraph, back to back, I think that, you know, gosh, that's really pushing some limits there. So hopefully, Dennis, this is helpful to you. Uh, again, I'm not an attorney, so I would say that if you are looking for further information about this, uh, seek the advice of an attorney. But I can almost guarantee you that they will tell you that if you were to read it uh, chapter by chapter, verbatim, you're, you're in trouble. So don't do it. All right, one more question before we get to our social media segment. Eric wants to know how I get those audio clips and other things into my recordings. Eric, take it away. Hey, Cliff, this is Eric from Nashville, Tennessee, and I am with FaithfulWellness.org, the Faithful Wellness Podcast. And um, I have a question for you regarding our podcast. We, uh, we record using GarageBand, and I noticed that you are able to incorporate other sounds, other music, uh, other music beds. Basically, you, you seem to record your podcast pretty much live on the spot. You even bring in other callers, etc., straight into your, I think you probably use Audacity. And I wondered if I can do the same sort of thing with GarageBand or if I need to switch over to Audacity to be able to do that and what other software would I need in order to uh, make the switch. Okay, thanks so much. Look forward to hearing your answer. Bless you. All right, Eric. Uh, actually, I don't record into software at all. Um, it's not something I enjoy doing. I, I did this maybe in the first 50 to 100 episodes of my podcast, and after I lost a couple episodes recording into computers, I, I decided to stop. So the last 3,000 podcast episodes that I've produced have all been recorded into a digital audio recorder 
that is outside of my computer. And so what I do is I actually have a mixer and I have my microphone connected to a mixer and I have all the audio from my mixer going directly into my digital audio recorder. Well, uh, it's very simple for me to then bring audio from my computer or my iPad mini or whatever I wanna do. I can bring audio from any other source and bring that into my mixer and whatever I'm bringing into my mixer then can also be brought into my digital audio recorder as well. So that's how I get everything in live. I'm not doing that in Audacity. In fact, my my software of choice personally is Adobe Audition. Now, I only use that for post-production. I do not use that for recording the actual original audio of my show. Is it possible to do those things? Um, you could use a mixer and you could actually bring the audio out. If you had two sound cards, I suppose, or maybe even with one sound card, you could actually bring the audio from the headphone jack into your into a mixer and then you can mix both your audio from your microphone and the audio from the computer and then send that right back into the computer's line input if it has both an input and output. Some of the new computers only have headphones jacks these days, which is crazy. But um, then you could actually, yeah, you you could potentially do that. It, it's a little convoluted and crazy and, and stuff like that. I, I don't recommend it. Um, but I tell you what I will do. If you want to see how I'm creating this podcast right here, right now, and how I've been able to introduce your audio clip and everything else, everything that you heard, uh, all the way from you know the, the Dan Miller intro with the, the music and me talking over the music and your audio, all of that's getting recorded live into my recording, into my digital audio recorder. And as soon as I'm finished with this, uh, very little post-production at all is necessary and then I can just save this, tag it, upload it to the web, and get it out there and publish it. If you want to see how I do that, I'm going to give you a website address, podcastanswerman.com slash podcast hyphen workflow. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash podcast hyphen workflow. And if you go there, that's a blog post. It's a video blog post on my site where I give you a step-by-step proven podcast workflow that I've been using for thousands of podcast episodes, and it's how I am producing this show today uh, with some variations, but, but it gives you the, the, real, the real deal understanding of, of the, the components and, and how they're all put together. So hopefully that'll help you out, and uh, thanks for the call. All right, my friends, it is that time again for our social media segment, and I am so delighted to speak with our social media correspondent here for Podcast Answer Man and GSPN.TV, Eric J. Fisher. Let's talk RSS. Let's. I'm subscribed. Let's go. I'm subscribed, too. Hey, my friend, I got an email from you yesterday, and I'm going to read it to to folks here. It says, hey, Cliff, I have to admit I've not been checking my RSS reader, partly due to Google Reader going away and partly due to the fact that I'm changing habits about checking too often in the past. And so basically you're like, what do we talk about tomorrow? I don't know what's going on in social media, Cliff, because it used to be that I would follow RSS feeds and now I don't know. How can I have an how can I have a social media correspondent who's not out there in the thick of things checking Hand digging through all these RSS feeds, you know, basically rubbing your fingers to the bone, swiping left and right to see what all's going on in this world. Yeah, that that knowledge work, the grunt work of knowledge work. I tell you. 
All right. For those, I let you down. I quit. <laughs> that, no, you can't quit. <laughs> Dang it. So, so for those who have been living under a rock, uh, let's explain real quickly uh, what RSS is. Really simple syndication. And it's what amount, I mean, obviously, if you're a podcaster, at least you have an RSS feed. Uh, surprisingly, though, that you would be, you actually, I don't think you would be shocked to know that there are a ton of podcasters out there who have an RSS feed, and that's how their podcasts work. In fact, technically, you can't have a podcast without an RSS because a podcast, by definition, is media content that is delivered and subscribable via an RSS feed. Yes. So, uh, but there are a lot of podcasters out there who have no idea idea what a, uh, an rss feed is uh, they've either signed up for some kind of click in sign you know you some web service where you can just uh record your audio upload it and they say hey we'll put you in itunes and they have never heard of an rss feed before or they've hired somebody to set it up for them and and they were just not a part of that you know setup equation which is no big deal but uh i think it's important for us to understand real quickly what really simple syndication is uh, and it started out in the blog days where everybody's blogs looked different. Uh, you know, people started doing design templates and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know about you, but back in the early blogging days, Eric, I subscribed or not subscribed to. I read a lot of different people's blogs. All my friends had blogs and I wanted to go to them. And for me, what that meant was relying on the bookmark feature. Did you ever mm-hmm. do that? Oh, Yeah. And that wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. I mean, if you think about it, um, some of my friends would post brand new blog entries, let's just say, you know, once or twice or maybe even three or four times a week. And then I had friends that, you know, you'd go to their website uh, each day to see if anything was new. And it's been two weeks and there's still nothing there. But you're, you know, you're still trying to make yourself go through your list of going back. You had to go back every single day or you know, on a variable time frame to see if they had posted anything. Exactly. And you, you would, weren't notified. You'd want to ignore the fact you, you'd want to say, eh, they haven't updated anything for a while. Why go back? But then you feel like Jack Shepard from Lost and you say, we got to go back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only a subset of our community will know what we're talking about there. But anyway, uh, so along came RSS, which basically allowed every single person who has a website or a blog to have a a standard set of code that you would put certain information in. So everybody would agree to have tags for date or publish date, title, author, content, and a couple other uh, various tags. And this code would look the same for every post for every website. And this allowed certain pieces of software to go and look at people's uh, websites and pull it into a third-party solution or an RSS reader. And because everybody's using the same code, um, a standard program, one program could look at all the different websites and see them all as the same. And they could just basically see, hey, I looked at this code yesterday and I'm looking at it today and it looks the same. There's nothing new since the last time I checked. And so... It, it doesn't pull anything new in. But then all of a sudden, if it goes to Eric Fisher's blog and sees, oh, there's a new post since the last time I checked, it brings in the new post. And then uh, for me, as an RSS subscriber, let's say Google Reader is the one that I had been using for the longest time. But uh, Google Reader would actually show the title of your most recent post in bold text. 
it would actually show the other ones in regular text because I'd already clicked on them and read them. But all, but what this allowed me to do is open up Google Reader, and real quickly on the on the left hand side, I would have a list of all the blogs. Let's say I'm I'm subscribed to twenty different blogs, and the title of those blogs would be in a list on the left, and anything in bold says hmm, there's something new here. And I'd click on that title and then it would show me a list of all the posts that are available and the ones in bold in that list are the ones that I have not read, the articles I haven't read from your blog. And so that's how RSS got started and uh, it's really the building blocks of uh, podcasting because basically podcasting does the same thing. We just attach an enclosure or information of uh, where people can find an uh, MP3 file for us to uh, deliver to them or other media files if you have a different type of podcast. But that's RSS. So Google Reader uh, has been my reader of choice for the web ever since it first came out. Um, Were you a Google Reader user as well? Yeah, I I can't remember when it was I adopted it. I was using other things for a while there and then at some point said, all right, I'm going to try it and imported my, my feeds there and it just was so much easier to use, so I just stuck with it. It was probably, you know, 07, 08, something like that. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Anyway, um, I can't remember the stat that I just heard. I think I just heard it in passing. Somebody, I think it was Leo Laporte on This Week in Tech, they were talking about the, you know, you know Google Reader finally shutting down because they had announced it, you know, back many months ago. And on July 1st, it shut down. And he's like, man, I you know, I can't believe that they, you know, did this, but... Then they started to, somebody threw out the number, he goes, I'm sure there were just tons of people using it. And then somebody on the show said the the number of visits it got on on a consistent basis. And man, I wish I would have wrote that number down or looked this up before we recorded, but I remember it sounding ridiculously low. Hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't in the millions, it was in the, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand that, that were using it. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. I wonder if, well, then it it makes me question, was it just all the tech-savvy people that were using it, and or was it not registering other uses of it, like mobile apps that would connect and use? I mean, it wasn't Google Reader it was using, but it was a skin for it, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I'm wondering if us going to other solutions that were basically just tapping into that API if that was taking away from what they were looking at. You know what? I'm going to pause for just a second. I think I'd like to actually go real quick and do a search on Google to see how many people were using Google Reader just for the interest of this conversation. So I'm going to pause for just a second. Well, I'll tell you what. We just uh, looked some things up here, and I'm sure that uh, given more time and, and maybe some folks in our community could look this up and, and find it a, a lot easier than what I thought it would be, uh, and let us know in the comments section here for Podcast Answer Man, episode number 317. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash 371. But I do, I do see that there was at least uh, 124,111 people back in March who had signed a petition it to continue going, but I I don't know if the number was seven hundred thousand or something like that. But I just thought it would have been in the millions, and and if I, I and I know I'm wrong on the number, but it it seemed like it was just in the hundreds of thousands, and that just seems like a really low number. But then all of a sudden it's like Leo said, "Oh well, if that's it, then I can see why they killed it." And I and I guess so because it's a huge company and they're looking at you know you know keeping that up and running. 
And that really is a very small subset of, of what they're trying to reach with, with their products and services these days. Yeah. I, I found a thing that said that at the time in March, one of the most popular um, RSS feeds was the CNN.com breaking news. And it had about 24 million subscribers. Now, that's not saying how many of those were in Google Reader, but that does show that, you know, RSS isn't dead if 24 million people are using it. Exactly. So... So I I know that there there are definitely millions and well the, and here's the deal uh with the RSS subscribers you got to imagine a lot of that's coming off of uh you know Flipboard and and all of those other right services and all the other direct uh, applications now and of course that's that's one of the things that I want to talk about is we were both using you and I Eric were both using iOS applications to subscribe to websites uh, using our iPhone and iPad, uh, but we were basically doing that through our Google Reader account, uh, through the API. So what it allowed us to do is to go into google.com slash reader to kind of manage what we're subscribed to. Uh, we could actually add new RSS feeds there, you know, kind of um, collate them through different topics like this is tech, this is family, this is business, this is health and fitness. And we can manage we can manage it all there on Google, and then we could just sign in with the application on our iPhone or our iPad, and we would be able to give our Google credentials, and it would bring that information in as it was already synced up on. Actually, it would sync it with our Google account, Google Reader account, and uh, that's how I was pulling in my information. In fact, I was using an application on the iPhone called Reader, and it was R E E D E R. For the iPhone, that's the one you were using as well, right? Yes, and I sh- we should note that that is actually free currently. Oh, it is. Yes, nice. We were also using on our iPad uh, the R E E D E R app for the iPad, which was is not a universal app, and uh, it actually had a different icon and functioned quite differently. And for some reason, uh, I was able to use the iPhone Reader app and uh, switch over to a new service. But the iPad app, uh, for some reason, I th- I even thought for a minute, it's like, wait a second, this is a completely different app altogether. And it, in, in a way it is, but it still had the same name on it. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, if for a long time, those two different apps, they're not universal. And so they were on different tracks as far as you know what version they were on. And so since the iPhone version was out first, it was getting more attention. Um, and they were working on updating the, the iPad app for a while there. Um, on their blog, they actually said, uh, you know, when Google Reader closes on July 1st, what does that mean for Reader? Well, it's too early to, answer, to have questions to all the answers, you know, uh, sorry, answers to all the questions. But most importantly, that Reader would be getting major updates, but it, they won't all be ready for July 1st. So they Reader for iPhone right now currently is ready for Feedbin, Feedly, Feed Wrangler, Fever, and then standalone, you know, just drop an RSS feed into it itself if right. you want to do that. And by the way, they did actually say in the application that dropping an RSS feed and managing it in your iPhone or iOS device is a, I think it's like in beta or something like that. It's in test phase. 
At least that's what I remember seeing. Yeah. The so the the iPad version will be coming, and that I hope so because I like using that one. But for now, the only one that works as far as iOS goes, as far as what I'm using, I should say, is the the version for the iPhone. Right. Now, obviously, you can subscribe to some of your favorite content using some really fancy, you know, graphical, beautiful-looking layouts and stuff like that. Uh, The first one that comes to mind uh, is uh, that... Flipboard. Flipboard, yeah. And, you know, it's real pretty and stuff like that, but it's not necessarily the way my mind works. I'm a linear-thinking guy. I like lists. Uh, and I like you know to see a list of t- titles, and maybe it's just the way that I originally remember seeing everything. And you know, I like I just like to scan through a list and say, hey, I, you know, swipe to the right and say I've read this one, or I'm not, or mark this one as read because I'm not interested. And then seeing a title that grabs my attention, and then clicking on it to read more. Whereas Flipboard kind of relies more on the image to catch my attention. And I kind of, when I'm in Flipboard, I'm not really paying attention too much to what the actual um, the uh, headline is. Do you find that that's true for you or is that different for you? Um, I will typically scan to see what's the headline. Is it worth reading? And maybe skim into the first sentence or two just to make sure that I either know it's worthwhile or not. Right. But do you do that with Flipboard? Do you look at the headlines in Flipboard? I do. Okay, good. And the images. Okay. So so um anyway, so you can still use Flipboard and stuff like that and 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 that is a you know pulling everything off via RSS feeds as well. The one thing that I wanted though is I wanted to be able to maintain my same look and feel of of managing feeds. Now, as soon as Google came out and announced that they were shutting down on July 1st, a lot of other services say, hey, we're here to pick up the slack. And by the way, do you remember the old days of NetVibes? I do. <laughs> I, I wonder if they're still around and kicking. I, I haven't even looked at them in a long time. But anyway, a lot of services came up, and one, one service seemed to rise to the occasion quicker and faster than anyone else. And even promised and said, listen, Google said that we can even create an API that pretty much looks and mimics exactly like what they're doing. And something to that effect. And they said, listen, we are building basically our version of the Google Reader API. And uh, if you stick, if you move over to us, and in fact, if you transition over to us now, we'll import all your stuff and come July 1st, it will be you, you won't even notice any difference. Uh, and so I read that. I went over and I and I signed up for a Feedly account. And the big difference between Feedly, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but it seemed like seems like Feedly, uh, certainly they have an API. They store everything server side. That's really great. I like that, just like Google did. But as far as their interface, I can't just go to feedly.com and manage my stuff. Is that true? Huh. Let me I'm going there. I just deleted some feeds yesterday <laughs> through Feedly. All right. So I'm actually I am actually going into Feedly right now because you can add content. Cuz when I and you know what? I'm actually it looks like I may be wrong because I just signed in and here's my Feedly. So maybe they changed this since that those uh those days back because it does actually see yeah, it, okay. 
you know what? This is actually, I believe, new since I signed in because before when I went to Feedly, if I remember correctly, it wanted it prompted me to install a Google extension or a plugin to run Feedly, and I'm right. like, I don't want to install a plugin. I, I if I want to go to the web and do it, I want to do it via the web. And now I'm actually on Feedly. It's actually cloud.feedly.com, but it. They did actually create this, and now I can hit add, and I can enter a URL topic. It's, actually, it is. It is just like, I mean, it's got a cleaner interface. I went, yeah. So back in March when Google announced, and Feedly and everybody else was like, ooh, me, me, try me. I tried them and instantly said, uh, I'm going this way. I don't care about Google Reader anymore. Yeah. I thought it was already better. Yeah, so. so um, and they fixed any issues there were, so. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm looking at it now, and the web version of this is uh, reminiscent of of the basics of Google Reader, mm-hmm. and and it works. Now, surprisingly, I actually set everything up via the Feedly apps. So they actually have a Feedly app for the iPad and iOS and and your iPhone and stuff like that. But anyway, I signed up and um, went in and and created everything on the Feedly app because I forgot I didn't know that they had created this nice looking web version and I was managing things there and I was thinking this is a little bit of a cumbersome process to manage everything through this app because it's so graphical it's kind of it tries to be a little bit more like a flipboard if you will or one of those other fancy you know more image based uh, workflows and reader and stuff like that but uh, now that I see this web version it's it, it, this kind of just it's like Google who <laughs> yep. So, anyway, the question is, 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 is here's the deal. There's some people who have, by, by the way, there are many third-party uh, iOS applications, and I'm sure Android applications out there, that were RSS readers, some paid for, many free, that only had APIs to Google. And when the uh, Google reader shut down, they didn't make any plans to update. In fact, uh, there were you know there are many applications out there that are just kind of dead in the water. They won't do anything, including I think Reader for R E E D E R for the iPad. So my fear is that there's going to be a lot of people out there who will just say, you know what, I'm not going to bother switching over to Feedly, which by the way is a very easy process, especially with the new website, um, but. It, I'm not going to bother switching over to Feedly or another service. I'm just going to rely on Twitter and Facebook for my news updates. You know, it, the most important stuff rises to the top. Do you have any thoughts on that, Eric? Yes, and this is partially why I wrote what I wrote in that email was I suddenly started to call into question, well, what am I doing with my RSS reader anyway? Am I really going... One, I already... I can acknowledge and confess, I was going there way too often. And so it was like, well, what am I using it for anyway? Am I looking for to make sure I don't miss, you know, when we create that don't can't live without content, we hope somebody makes sure that they can't live without it and they have a way to make sure they catch it. Well, when it comes to podcasts, obviously that's, you know, your you know, your podcast uh, catcher of choice where you subscribe, whether that's mobile or iTunes or what have you. But when it comes to, you know, blogs or websites or whatever, you know, how do you make sure? And so I started to think, well, you know what? I'm going to start trimming. And I know you have a whole, you have way 
fewer you have like what two feeds i i think i'm actually up to five but, but yeah <laughs> oh five <laughs> you want to know how many i have right now after i've trimmed how many 83 wow that's nice. not all of them are always active i would say probably about half of those are ones where they don't post often but when they do i don't want to miss it yeah. and so i have this as a mechanism as a backup for that but yeah it's like well <clears throat> say somebody that I really like blogs once a week. I have options to subscribe to their content a couple of different ways. One, I can follow them on Twitter and hope I see it. I can follow them on I can be on a follow them or be a friend of theirs on Facebook and hope I see it. Or I can subscribe to their blog posts via email and I'll most likely see it the best way that way or I can throw it in here. And I've decided to throw, throw it in th- here. Throw what's what's throw it in here to subscribe to it via RSS in a reader. Okay. And by doing it that way, which is my preferred method, I then read it on my terms when I want to go check it out versus getting it thrown at me in the midst of communication in an email. Yes. Newsletter. Um, and I also then have the you know have this as a hub of those things. And it's like okay. So, for example, I have a a folder in Reader called Tribes, and I have – so, for example, let me give you this as an example. Podcast Answer Man, when it comes out, is subscribed to in that folder because I want to read the show notes for the show and then go and make a comment. Nice. So that's something that actually podcasters may not actually be thinking about is sometimes if you have really good show notes – for your audio content, somebody may subscribe to you via a, a, you know, a textual RSS subscription model just so they know that your show came out and they can go read your show notes and then comment on the show notes and maybe play it while they listen or, or what have you. So I like that. So yeah, I have, I, and I've got, you know, maybe 15 certain tribes that I consider myself to be a part of that are in that folder. And so, yeah, Podcast Answer Man would be one of them. And then that way, I will never not know that a show came out or that a, a, pl- a post came out that I want to make sure I go interact with. You know, so, for, for example, Michael Hyatt's blog is in there yep. and a few others that I want to make sure I don't miss a post and that I once I read the post in there, I click through and go and then comment. Nice. So, so obviously, you're not going to say, you know what, I, I can just rely on my friends to float the most important stories up to the top for me. I I think it can be done to a certain extent, but again, you're not going to see everything if you've prioritized, you know, what you want to see, you will. But right. You you that's almost too much trust in my on my part of my friends to not that not taste wise, but visibility wise. Yeah, and and here's my thinking on on that th- mindset. At number one, I, I never feel like I'm going to find I'm going to be able to keep up with everything. That, that's a, that is simply impossible. Um, and, which is, by the way, the reason why I'm not subscribed to 80 different blogs. But here's what I've done: is is I used to be subscribed to like 30 or 40, which is a lot for me because I, I I'm you know very picky about the content that I consume. You know, I I heard a long time ago. I don't know who said this quote, but uh, and and you guys can quote me here and say leaders create content, followers consume it. So so I you know I want to make sure that I'm always 
creating, spending, I want to spend more time creating content than I do consuming content. Um, and, and that's, that's just a little personal philosophy that I have. Uh I want to be out there creating stuff. And if I'm going to consume it, I want to find a way to put that into my creation process. So if I, if I am consuming something valuable, I want to find a way that I can actually take that, share it in a way that is relevant to me and my audience and say, this is what I think about it. Kind of like episode 316. Last week I found a video and I consumed that Alan Watts video. And last week I did an entire podcast episode on what do I desire. And and I had a lot of fun with it. But you know, a lot of people will just read it or, or will consume that content, think about it, and go on with their day. But actually they'll instead of thinking about mm, how can I take this, how can I apply it, how how can I wrap my mind, now how can I take what I've learned or what, I, what I'm processing and how can I share it with others that it might benefit them? Rather than going through that process, they just move on to the next video and then to the next video and then the, to the next article and then to the next news update and then to this. And so their life is filled with consuming content and it's not, you know, they're really doing very little uh, than just taking it in for entertainment value. So Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that I was suffering from in terms of productivity. As I'm learning about productivity, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm spending way too much consuming time-wise and I should be creating. So back in the day when I was actually subscribed to a lot of feeds, I found myself subscribed to Mashable, uh, to Gizmodo and Gadget, Mac Rumors, um, you know, Apple Insider and all of those different, you know, tech blogs and stuff like that to keep me up on the latest in technology. It's technology is a big thing for me. Obviously, I want to be able to share some of the most important technology tools and tips and tricks and and how we can implement some of this latest stuff in the things that we're doing and growing our business and brands and getting the word about who we are and what we do. Right. That's you know, these are this is important stuff. So. What I realized, though, is I found over time that really everything is kind of, I'm reading five different versions of the same story. Right. And I really don't need that. And so I found, for me, when it comes to technology, there are only two sources of RSS information that I really feel like I want to make sure that I at least see the headline of everything they publish. And if I see the headline of everything they publish, I probably will can I will probably be up to date with about 90% of anything that is relevant to me in technology. And those two sources are Mashable and uh, MacStories.net. So MacStories.net is it's just a one man operation, I believe. Yeah. I really like the way they they write and what they report on and how they do it. Yeah, and and the cool thing is is that I've you know like I said I used to subscribe to you know Mac Rumors and Apple Insider and stuff like that, and the things that MacStories.net does not share in his blog or or whoever it is, I the other stuff shows up on Mashable, and yeah, there are times when. When Mashable will cover a story that's also covered on MacStories.net, uh, but what I find is that MacStories.net gives a little bit more of a personalized approach. This is what how I feel about the story, whereas it's you know it's it's more of a journalistic approach from Mashable. But Mashable gives me the most of the information. So really, the only two RSS re- RSS feeds that I see 
every single uh, title. And I don't actually read every title. Sometimes I'll scan through the list. Like I might be two days behind and there's like 85 uh, stories that have been posted in the last two days. I literally will scan through and my mind, my eyes have been trained to pick out certain keywords that might jump out to me. And I ignore all the entertainment stories. Kanye West did this on Twitter. Whatever. Who cares what Kanye West did on Twitter? Um, none of that stuff really pulls out. And I mark those as red, mark those as red. But occasionally I'll see something Yahoo's giving away Flickr. You know, those kind of things. It's like, oh, wow. And I don't want to wait until somebody else filters that up to the top. You know, Mashable is reporting on it now. They're pretty up to date. Um, I want to read what they've got. And I want to make a decision and I kind of want to get out there with my thoughts and opinions. And I want to be the one who's bringing the information to others. Yeah, definitely. So that's why I think that RSS feeds um, are are here to stay, at least for me. And I'm thankful for services like Feedly and, and stuff like that. So Eric and I uh, are both using uh, – well, I, actually, have you – so are you, uh, are you still using Reader? Are you? <sighs> I am. Now, one of the things that I realized, I here's here's why it was, uh, there was a couple phases. You know, the first was, ooh, I like this better than Google Reader. Two was, oh, I'm checking this way too often. Two, completely not looking at RSS a- at all. I declared bankruptcy a few different times, especially because I was on vacation and I'm coming out of the, the tail end of an extended version of that. And suddenly started to look here, you know, I, I'm checking maybe once or twice that's probably being generous. Once a day at most. Right. Just to see. And I'm still looking to to trim stuff out of there. But yeah, I still want to use it as my catch-all, make sure I don't miss out on a certain handful of people's content that are specifically blogs and and other things like that. Awesome. So I'm using Reader for iOS or for for iPhone right now because I still like that. On the iPad, I've switched over to Feedly's own app because I've kind of tailored that to look good. Uh, and that was enjoyable. Like I, I went through and looked at all the stuff I'd starred because I thought, ooh, that's a good one. I want to read that. And I went back and I was like, oh, this is enjoyable. I like sitting here flipping through this and reading on the iPad. Yep. So. Very cool. Well, we just wanted to bring that up here as a social media segment. I know that uh, this is relevant. Uh, sometimes I, I wonder, why do I feel like I need to explain why we're talking about this on Podcast Answer Man? But yeah, I do. Deal with me. Uh, <laughs> deal with it, because that's what I do. Uh, but I, I have to ask myself, why are we talking about this in a social media segment? Number one, social media, because we're sharing a lot of information uh, in social ways. I consider podcasting to be a form of social media. Uh, as well as sharing it on our social networks like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm oftentimes, uh, if, if a story is really uh, something intriguing, I, I will share it out in social media. Uh, but also, or, or actually social networks, I should say. Uh, but also for us as content creators, where do you go to get stories about your industry? Uh, whatever, Whether you're talking about wooden boats, uh, personal finance, uh, politics, uh, sports, or whatever the whatever it may be, um, we can all do well by subscribing to a small subset of very up to date, uh, current reporting uh, blogs and news sites on the web that have RSS. And if we subscribe to them, it can really help us generate valuable content 
uh, for us to share. And it's not just taking the art; it's not just taking the articles and reading them and then just regurgitating it. Although you could do that as long as you're given proper source and your and stuff like that. But I, I think the real value is when we can take a story and we can relate it to maybe our own personal story and our own experiences and give commentary on that and say whether or not we agree or disagree with the person writing the articles and and uh, sharing why we do and, and, and really having a stance on it and, and using our um, position that we have within our communities to influence uh, the, the people in our niche with, with the message that we feel is important enough to influence them on. And that's why I love to, to stay up to date with uh, certain, certain stories and technology tips and, and, and things like that because uh, I think this is all valuable. But hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. Eric, I certainly appreciate you, my friend. And uh, thank you for, for coming and having this conversation with me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. RSS feeds, Google Reader. I do miss Google Reader, but you know what? Feedly, I'm, I'm warming up to you. I hope you enjoyed today's social media segment with my good friend Eric J. Fisher. And also, thank you to Dennis, Josh, and Eric for calling in your questions on the voicemail feedback hotline. If you want to learn how you can submit your questions for Podcast Answer Man... You can head over to podcastanswerman.com slash feedback. That's right, podcastanswerman.com slash feedback. Just please know that um, I'm currently got about 40 other, forty or 50 other questions in the queue, but I don't always record or play them in the order that they come in. I actually play them in the order that I kind of sort and sift through them and feel like, eh, yeah, I'll answer this one today. So go ahead and give us a call. Uh, you can, uh, again, the phone number and all the various ways that you can learn how to provide uh, your questions for Podcast Answer Man at podcastanswerman.com slash feedback. I just also ask that you do one question per call. One question per call. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can't get you covered here in a future episode. Real fast, uh, thank you to those of you who have been using my Bluehost affiliate link. Oh my goodness. I wonder if I can even do this in the two minutes that are left. Let's try it. Thank you to the folks behind onlineincomebible.com, projectmanpodcast.com, greekwordforwisdom.com, stepgolfer.com, globalnomadicleadership.com, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, practicaltacticalpodcast.com a terrible husband.com and the midpackpodcast.com what is that that's 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 of you within the last 3 weeks 9 of you have set up bluehost affiliate or bluehost hosting accounts using my affiliate link and I can't thank you enough for doing so if you want my thoughts on Bluehost and hosting outside of shared hosting and who I'm using for hosting today because I've outgrown shared hosting all of that information can be found at podcastanswerman.com slash hosting and uh, oh one more reminder if you want to see that video that shows you how I record these episodes, that proven podcast workflow. Again, that link is podcastanswerman.com slash podcast hyphen workflow. 
And uh, this next Monday, uh, July 22nd, launches our next podcasting A to Z course. I've already filled up the 20 spots that I need. But if you want to get in last minute, uh, there's still a little bit of time. I've got a little bit of room, a little wiggle room that I can fit you in. Podcasting A to Z.com. Helping you to get the thing you do to the next level. Podcast. It's a man.